0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: And we're back like we never left. Oregon fans, what's going on? How are we living? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast coming to you on a Monday afternoon we are coming to you live on a couple of different locations we are on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus on Twitter at mtaurus sports and on the Ducks Digest Facebook page so hope you guys have uh, a way to tune in to us uh, but if you're listening on the podcasting platform thank you so much for tuning in We are breaking down Oregon's massive, thrilling win over the Texas Tech Red Raiders on the road in Lubbock in week two. As Dan Lanning, Bo Nix, and the Oregon defense pass a big test in their biggest non-conference game of the 2023 season. Ducks move on to 2-0, and they remain at number 13 in the AP Top 25 poll like I said, we're here live. Uh, if you guys are live on YouTube, go ahead and hop in those comments in the live chat and let me know how you feel about Oregon's win over Texas Tech. 38-30, to the final, and the Ducks return home to Eugene to face the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors in Week 3 in Autzen Stadium. Kickoff set for about 5 p.m. on the Pac-12 networks, I believe. So we're going to be getting into a little bit of reaction and analysis. In today's episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast, and then depending on if we maybe get some comments, we'll see about a possible mailbag on the back half of the show, but super stoked to have you guys along. Uh, It was been a really fun weekend of football, you guys. I got to tell you, uh, on Thursday evening, I was out in Chula Vista, California, to see 2025 Oregon quarterback commit Achilles Smith Jr. Pretty strong performance and a dominant win over the modern-day Catholic Crusaders, Friday night, I went to St. John Bosco versus St. Francis Academy out of Baltimore, Maryland, where I got to see 2024 Oregon commits Michael Van Buren and Ife Obedegwu. Then we saw the Ducks on Saturday. Alabama over, Texas over Alabama, rather. Is Texas back? I don't know. That's a pretty big statement win. So plenty of college football action to get into. And then my Niners came away with a big win over the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road. So... We're loving life right now. It's it's good times. So let's get into this game. Oregon goes on the road to pull out a 38-30 to win over Texas Tech and former Oregon quarterback Tyler Shuck. Got a couple of huge performances that we're going to get into and some talking points that I want to get into. So without further ado, what do you say we kick this one off, Duck fans? Make sure to hit that like button for me if you're watching on YouTube and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Uh, Five days a week coming at you with the Ducks Dish podcast. So when we start talking about this game, seems like a pretty good place to start with Bo Nix. Oregon's quarterback finished the day 32 of 44, passing for 359 yards and two touchdowns. And he also contributed on the ground. Nine carries for 46 yards, averaging just over five yards a carry. In this game, Bo Nix had a huge day for the Ducks, was only sacked one time, which is maybe a a storyline that kind of flew under the radar coming out of this game. So Bo Nix, man, he made some really big plays for the Ducks in this one. got off to a fast start with a 72-yard passing touchdown to Troy Franklin, who continues to have a solid outing to start the year out the gates in 2023 already up to three touchdowns and has had over 100 yards in both of Oregon's two games so far this season. I think one of the biggest stories in this one was Bo Nix's legs. I said in the preview show last week, someone was asking what's going to be different between Oregon in week one against Portland State and in week two against the Texas Tech Red Raiders. And I was saying that I think that we're going to see Bo Nix use his legs and he definitely did didn't put up a massive stat line by any means right like I said nine carries for 46 yards but the times that he did run the ball were absolutely huge huge run plays on the ground for Bo Nix and man Dan Lanning was fired up about Bo Nix after this game saying man we have a heck of a quarterback go turn on the tape of Bo Nix and tell me that that guy can't win ball games so Bo Nix his veteran presence and experience were definitely a huge asset for the Ducks on the road in the Lone Star State in this game. Um, didn't uh, didn't turn the ball over, which I think is a huge uh, takeaway from this game. Like I said, was only sacked once, so a relatively clean game in that regard. But boy, did Bo Nix and the Ducks catch a massive break Late in this game, uh, Bo Nix was scrambling to his right on what I think was a third down, maybe third and goal, but case in point, excuse me, case in point, Bo Nix fired that pass to Casey Kelly in the corner of the end zone, the right corner of the end zone, and I think that ball was intercepted. I'm watching that interception, and I'm saying, oh boy, that's a pick, and my first thought when I was watching that replay was, why are you going for the end zone when a Field goal would have put you up in this game. I think that that was definitely a huge bullet that the Ducks dodge dodged later in this game. Um, and that was a really big moment. Um, I was thinking to myself, why are you playing hero ball here? They don't need you to be a hero. And maybe some people are making more of that moment than they should. I know for a second in my mind, I was kind of thinking to myself, oh man. Is that that a bad Bo moment, a Bo no moment? Um, So maybe he just got a little bit fired up in that game, Uh, in that moment. I think that was not the best decision, obviously. The Ducks almost got to turn the ball over in a crucial, crucial moment late in that game. But fortunately for them, it it wasn't the case. So yeah, that was actually in the fourth quarter um, on a third and two. Bo Nix threw that to Casey Kelly. Uh, and they had a penalty thrown on them for ineligible uh, downfield. And then it was under review, and the ruling was uh, what the call stood that he did not that the that was an incomplete pass. So major bullet dodged in that one. So as good of a game as Niggs had, that, it felt like that was a moment that if Texas Tech came away with that interception, that would have totally changed people's perception of how Bo did in that game. Granted, it's just one game, so for as as excited as people are with this game, we can't take too, too much from it, but we can take a whole heck of a lot more than we did from week one against the Portland State Vikings because Texas Tech showed they're a good team. They have Tyler Shuck, who had himself a great game. If we're just staying on the topic of quarterbacks here to start off the episode, Tyler Shuck had himself a good game. I mean, he did throw some interceptions. Obviously, that's not going to help when you're looking at someone's performance. Finished the day 24 for 40, throwing for 282 yards and three touchdowns against three interceptions as well. And he was sacked four times. More to come later on in today's episode about the Oregon defense and more specifically, that pass rush that we so rarely saw in 2022. Looked pretty good. We'll get into that one a little bit later, but... Just to kind of put some final thoughts and, and wrap up uh, the Bo Nix talk. I really like what I saw from Nix, his mobility, his command of the offense. Uh, I think that he proved that he's a gamer and he's someone that like Dan Lanning said, is going to be able to win you ball games. I think that if you have a younger quarterback that maybe isn't as experienced as Bo Nix, maybe this game breaks the other way. I don't know. Um so yeah, Bo Nix, great game, almost uh, almost had a massive turnover later on in that game, but the Ducks were able to escape with a big win in Lubbock. Bo Nix played a huge part of it, loved what I saw from him, his decision-making. Uh, Would have liked to see a little bit more of the deep ball from Bo Nix and Will Stein. This was really the first game that we can kind of get a good feel for the Will Stein offense and what they were able to do because you could probably assume and guess that they didn't show everything that they have this season in that week one game against Portland state. So Bo Nix great day at the office, uh, almost a little bit too close for comfort on that shot for the end zone. The next thing that we're talking about, let's talk about the Oregon run game, Oregon's rushing offense against the Texas tech red Raiders. Wasn't one of the better performances that we've seen from the ducks 31 carries, 31 rushes on the day for just 113 yards and one touchdown. The Ducks averaged just 3.6 yards per carry, which is obviously a completely different stat than what we saw in week one uh, at home in Austin. So I kind of came out of this game thinking to myself, is this a cause for concern? I really expected Oregon to establish themselves and assert themselves on the ground in the run game. Because I just think that Texas tech doesn't have the same type of trench talent that the ducks have at the point of attack. And now that I think about it, I'm kind of pumping the brakes on that one, right? That was the first quality opponent that Oregon's new look offensive line had played. And I think they did a pretty good job, but they're going to need to be better running the ball moving forward. If they're going to continue to win some of these big time games, Bucky Irving, was the lead back in this one, but he finished the day with 11 carries for just 38 yards, averaging 3.5 yards a carry. But he did have a really tough, gritty, big touchdown run in this game where he got slammed into at the goal line. So I think overall, if you're looking at Bucky Irving, one of Oregon's most important pieces on offense this season, I think he had a solid day on the ground and he improved. In the passing game, he caught seven of his nine targets for 50 yards. And here's the here's the stat that's important when you're looking at Bucky Irving and what he was able to do through the air. 61 yards after catch in this game for Bucky Irving, just being an absolute asset out of the backfield. So I really like what I saw from Bucky Irving on the ground and through the air. Noah Whittington, seven carries for 21 yards with a long of seven and he averaged three yards a pop, and Jordan James, four carries for eight total yards in this game. You saw that he had that run at the end of the game when they were knocking on the door of scoring another touchdown before they eventually settled for a field goal. He tried to get down, but apparently he landed out of bounds, so that was a, a potentially critical moment in that game because if Jordan James comes down in bounds, maybe Texas Tech and Joey McGuire have to burn that last time out, but that wasn't the case, so... That said, he did still have some, I think he had one really important run that came on a third down. So Jordan James continues to impress in my eyes, uh, as a true sophomore and Oregon's number three back. But when you look at the numbers, it kind of looks like it's a little bit more divisive, I guess, or decisive four carries for Jordan James, seven for Noah Whittington and 11 for Bucky Irving. I think that uh, you're actually seeing a pretty even distribution of carries in this game. I, I thought that Noah Whittington was actually getting uh, a little bit more of the uh, you know number one look. I think just you know fresh drive, fresh downs. I felt like he was the guy that was out there a little bit more than I expected. Um, so that was an interesting development to see for sure. But I think Bucky Irving still had a really solid day. I think that the the Oregon offense had an okay day on the ground against Texas Tech. So not anything too crazy to, to you know write home about, but I don't think it's, it's any reason to panic. Not that I'm panicking or other people are, but the numbers definitely look like it wasn't as good of a day for Oregon on the ground. I can at least say I didn't think that this was the best game on the ground for Oregon and, and not exactly the performance I was expecting, but hey, that's all right. Another guy that we have to talk about on this Oregon offense is Troy Franklin because he's doing a great job. Uh, He had over 100 yards. He caught six of his nine targets, did have a a drop or two in that game, 103 yards, 54 of those yards came after the catch, and his longest longest play of the day was a 72-yard touchdown pass, touchdown catch from bonix early on in that game and i'm not surprised that troy franklin had himself a good game because the talking point leading into this game was there's nobody on that texas tech defense that can hang with troy franklin There, there really isn't so i honestly kind of thought he was going to have a bigger day but he came up with some great catches uh in this game that i think really helped oregon he continues to be the face of the wide receiver core and he did another solid, uh, had another solid outing. So going to need to continue just stacking those days, stacking those strong performances. Love who I saw it at Troy Franklin in that one. Where I think the story was in the passing game was some of those guys behind him because Troy Franklin had the biggest day statistically, but Bookie Irving made some big plays, like I mentioned. And then Tez Johnson, I think, was a little bit of an underrated performance in this game. He caught four of his seven targets for 37 yards, had 24 yards after the catch, and a big touchdown. And I think that touchdown play is really kind of what stood out to me because we all know that penalties were a big issue in this game. Kevin has this comment, penalties were a problem. If we get that cleaned up, our future looks a lot better. And Dan Lanning said the same thing in his post-game press conference saying, hey, I think this game would have looked a lot different if we hadn't shot ourselves in the foot as much as we did. So when Tez Johnson scored his touchdown, I think that there were there was a hold and then there was a false start, if memory serves, prior to that play. So in my mind, Tez Johnson kind of built the Oregon offense out. You had a little uh, slant play over the middle. Tez gets it, boom, turns on the Jets and just bolts to the corner of the end zone to score his first touchdown. Uh, his first touchdown as a Duck. Connecting with Bo Nix in that one, so I thought that Tez Johnson had some underrated plays, had a couple of big catches on third down to help move the chains. So he's obviously the definition of a yards after catch receiver. That's where he's going to hang his hat. That where he's that's where he's going to make his money. Uh, But he had a good couple of good plays over the middle, and I think he came up with some really big moments for the Ducks. And uh, Will Stein here in the Texas Tech game. I also think that Patrick Herbert and Terrence Ferguson had themselves some pretty solid moments, pretty solid days. Patrick Herbert caught all three of his targets for 34 yards. 26 of those yards came after the catch. So just figure that's two first downs had a long of 21. So you see a little bit of explosion there. Terrence Ferguson caught two of his three targets for 30 yards, 20 yards after the catch and a long of 30 on the day. So I think that that is definitely a positive when you're looking at Oregon's tight end room. I thought they were going to be even more involved than they were, but uh, when they did see those opportunities, I think they made the most of those opportunities. So I like to uh, I like to see that from Oregon's offense. Um, just kind of wrapping things up a little bit with the offensive line in this one, only one sack allowed, but we also saw that the Ducks were doing a little bit of rotation along the offensive line. The Ducks were without a couple of key guys, Key projected starters are rotational pieces in this game. Nishad Strother was one of those along the offensive line. Both he and Justin Jacobs, the Iowa linebacker transfer, did not play with the Ducks against Texas Tech. And I'll tell you one thing that stood out to me about this offensive line when I was watching the Ducks, particularly in crunch time, particularly late in this game. I was watching this game and I found myself saying, hey, wait a second, number... Number 72, who's who's number 72 on that offensive line? Because he's he's looking kind of good, and, and I don't really think that I was expecting to see him. It was true freshman offensive lineman Iapani Laulaulu, the six foot two, three hundred and twenty-five interior offensive lineman. Iapani was getting a lot of run at right guard, and he was a guy that got a lot of buzz, was generating a lot of hype and some, some good chatter in fall camp. And you have a true freshman now, guy who enrolled early, mind you, that's playing some meaningful snaps for you against Texas Tech. It would have been one thing if we saw a lot of him uh, against Portland State or even next week against Hawaii. But to put a true freshman out, and that's one of my talking points, especially for the defense, to put a true freshman out when the game is on the line, no less, which is when Iapani Lalaulu was in late in that game out in Lubbock, I think that's awesome. I think that's good for Oregon football. It's good for the sport. When you have true freshmen that are playing early in meaningful downs, meaningful situations, big games. And I think he looked great. He looked great during the time that we did see him in the game and he helped the ducks drive the ball down the field and then kick that go ahead field goal, which was huge from Camden Lewis, mind you just an awesome vet that just always shows up. It feels like right now for the ducks. Um, I saw that, uh, picture comparison it was thomas graham kind of praying with camden and that big win over washington state and uh, i want to say it was 2019 and then now you have camden lewis who was basically saying i was i was never sweating it i i knew i had to make that one because it was a chip shot so great standout performance from him and uh overall a pretty solid day for the oregon offense penalties aside right the penalties you got to clean those up i think that It was insane how many penalties they had. I know a lot of Oregon fans were saying, but Texas Tech was holding a whole lot. So maybe it wasn't as even as it, uh, maybe it was more even rather than uh, in terms of how many penalties are being committed, but Texas Tech didn't get a lot of them called. So the, the false starts, the illegal formation, illegal man downfield, all of those things have to be cleaned up, but you can't harp on those too much because at the end of the day, a win is a win. Bo Nicks and the Oregon offense went into Lubbock, helped pull out the win. The defense might've been the, the, the difference maker, right? They forced four turnovers and had that huge pick six at the end of the day, but it takes a full effort, team effort, and uh, Oregon put up some points, which is obviously gonna help them. Mind you, my prediction was 38 to 27, Oregon over Texas Tech. So I didn't get it perfectly. Oregon did cover the six and a half point spread with a 38 to 30 win, but that was absolutely a fun one. So let's switch the gears a little bit now. We had some offensive talk. We talked Bo Nix, Will Stein's offense. A, a little shaky, it felt like at times in that uh, debut against uh, a Power 5 opponent. So I still think it's too early to, to make any broad strokes, judgments on this offense. Bo Nix was baller. Loved what I saw from the running backs. But you got to play a cleaner game. you got to play a cleaner game. No if, ands, or buts about that one. But let's hop over to the other side of the ball and talk some defense as Oregon's defense had some huge moments in this win over Texas Tech.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data, Learn more at marines.com.
1: Sipping a little bit of coffee here on a Monday afternoon. It might be 1230, but you got to keep the coffee flowing, in my opinion, when you're a sports journalist, because you're always on and you always got to go, go, go. So thank you guys for tuning in. If you're here live on the YouTube channel, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. Greatly appreciate the support as I build this Oregon football community. Let's talk a little bit about that Oregon defense. Uh, Brandon Brandon says, "RD is still poop. Defense is still poop." And then he said, "They could have just kept. Uh, they could have just kept and draw, and possibly won. Not many halftime adjustments. Was frustrated. Well, I think." The biggest point for me, the where the where I want to start this discussion of the Oregon defense in their 38-30 to 30 win over Texas Tech, how about that pass rush? I think that was probably my biggest takeaway from the game against Texas Tech. Sure, there were a lot of broken plays. Tyler Shuck did a lot of damage on the ground with his legs running for 101 yards on 23 carries. That's certainly not a performance that Oregon can allow moving forward, especially as we look ahead to their Week 4 Pac-12 opener against Deion Sanders, Shadour Sanders, and the Colorado Buffaloes. So, yeah, I think that it was definitely uh, an underwhelming performance in some aspects, but I really think that Oregon's defense had themselves a heck of a day if you're just looking at what they did in 2022 and what they're doing now early on. The pass rush in particular, we didn't really get a lot of opportunities to see what they could do in that Portland State game. A lot of quick passes, not a lot of time for plays to develop, but like we kind of expected going into this game, Tyler Shuck, veteran quarterback, guy with a high football IQ, has a good feel for the game, good chemistry with his receivers. He's going to let some of those plays develop, and uh, I guess I was going to say develop they did, but Oregon was actually able to get home for four sacks in this game And there were a couple of guys that really stood out to me. Uh, True freshman, defensive end, Mateo Uyangalele He had himself a great game making, uh, I was almost going to say his debut, but this is the second game he's played already for the Ducks. So you got to think that they're pretty confident in him. Jordan Birch had a good day. Popo Amavai had a good day in the pass rush. Taki Taimani had a couple of plays here and there where he was just blowing up the offensive lineman and driving him back into Tyler Shuck, uh, which made him which flushed him out of the pocket. Brandon Dorless had a tremendous day. I think he was one of the biggest standout performances for the Ducks in that win over Portland State. And then how about two other guys? Tatum Tuioti, true freshman, number forty-four, and then Blake Purchase, also a true freshman, number seventeen. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I love recruiting. Like, that's my passion. You guys know that. But, man, I was just excited when I saw those guys on the TV on Saturday watching that game, especially Mateo, because obviously there was so much hype uh, around his recruitment and around his addition to Dan Lanning and Tosh Lapoy's defense. So to see those guys performing and contributing in a meaningful way, Mateo should have had a sack in that game, but I think he overpenetrated just a little bit and uh, wasn't able to bring down Tyler Shuck as he slipped out of his grasp in that game. But Mateo Uyunglele looks like he is going to be uh, a a dude. I think that he's going to be a dude in this game. I think it's really, really big um, for Oregon's defense and the future of what they're able to do um, on defense. So like what I saw from Mateo Uyunglele, um, let's see what his final stat line was one solo tackle, two assisted tackles, three total tackles. Um, and yeah, that, that was his, that was his, those were his stats, but I think that he was looking super, super encouraging. Jordan Birch had himself a good day. He didn't get a sack in this game, but, um, I don't even know if he. He didn't record a stat in this game, but I thought I liked what I saw out of him, especially against a quality opponent and a quality offensive line. I feel like he was getting some good pressure in that one. Pressure doesn't always generate sacks, but obviously it does help. Had some good plays stopping the run as well. So that game against Texas Tech, I view it as a step in the right direction for Jordan Burch in uh, his bigger role with Oregon's defense kind of as the face of their pass rush, but maybe you can give that title to Brandon Doris because he had himself a heck of a game slamming into Tyler Shuck uh, at the very end there to help generate that interception from Jeffrey Bossa, who took that thing to the crib. Uh, And Dan Lanning was asked after the game about that play from Jeffrey Bossa and kind of what was going through his mind. And he was just saying, go down, go down. Uh, But Jeffrey Bossa said, nah, coach, I got this. And he just, Proceeded to take that one to the house, um, but yeah, those are some of the guys that I think had awesome, awesome performances. Another guy who deserves a shout out is Bryce Betcher. Bryce Betcher finished the game with three total tackles, one solo, two assisted, but he also had a sack that, uh, and then one that almost knocked the ball loose from Tyler Shuck. Um, and it looks like they credit him with a forced fumble in the stat line. So. I think he was an underrated performance in this game because a lot of people were hoping to see Justin Jacobs, the Iowa transfer, but he wasn't able to go for this one. So you saw Bryce Betcher and Jeffrey Bossa. And then you also saw a good amount of Jamal Hill who had a great performance uh, forcing a fumble uh, against Tyler Shuck. And he got a sack, you know, a strip sack more or less. And um, you also saw a little bit of Jeff, uh, Devin Jackson, excuse me, Devin Jackson, the uh, redshirt freshman, that the Ducks signed in 2022, maybe self-proclaimed fastest guy on the team. He's now at 6'2", right around 230 pounds. So he had himself a a good day at the office on Saturday against Texas Tech. Um, He only recorded one tackle, one assisted tackle, but you like what you saw from him. You got to look deeper than the numbers here when you're breaking down this game. Brian Thompson with a comment here, um, excited. I think he said, meant to say excited. Uh, excited with all the freshmen playing big roles and happy to get the win. We got Texas Tech's best shot. Yeah, I think that's a big-picture takeaway from this game. Sure, it wasn't pretty, but it's like I have in the thumbnail of this video if you see it on YouTube, just win, baby. It's like Al Davis said, the, the Raiders legend, a win's a win. It's like Vin Diesel said in Fast and Furious. You It doesn't matter if you win by a, a second, a, uh, by a foot, or a quarter mile, winning's winning. So I think that there's a lot of big positives to take away from this game. And like I just talked about, the the freshmen that played big roles, I think that's a huge thing you have to take away. And the Ducks got a nice true road test. Um, I know Spencer McLaughlin talked about this. I talked about it last week as well leading up to this game. This kind of had the opportunity to be a Washington State-esque type of game for the Ducks. They go on the road against a quality opponent, uh, a huge sleeper, in a loaded Big 12, Texas Tech gave Oregon everything they had. Those tortillas were getting th- tossed out onto the field at the start of the game as is tradition. Texas Tech was was loud and, and raucous uh, with that environment, but Duck fans also showed up. You got to give a huge tip of the cap and uh, a shout-out to the Duck fans that hit the road and, and traveled to Lubbock. There were definitely a lot of plays in that game where you could hear the stadium screaming in Oregon's favor. So 60,000-plus, at Jones at and Oregon goes in there in the heat, adverse environment, hostile environment, and they're able to pull out a win. I think that's just a huge statement win for them, their first statement win of the season to kind of show people, hey, we're for real. Maybe it wasn't pretty, but a win's a win. So you go on the road and you get tested, and I think it's a nice happy medium that you strike between scheduling Georgia and uh, you know Portland State to open your season. And then last year the ducks played, um, I want to say it was Eastern Washington in week two and then BYU. I might be getting my order mixed up, but if we're just looking at the non-conference picture and what it means to schedule quality opponents versus maybe some of these cupcake FCS teams, I think this was the great, the great one for them to schedule because Texas tech is an air raid team. One of Oregon's weaknesses has been slowing down the pass, So they got tested early and they face a great quarterback before Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes come to town to Eugene to open up Pac-12 play on September 23rd. That one uh, is going to be kicking off at 12.30 p.m. on ABC. That was uh, just announced earlier this morning. Oregon's going to be playing against Colorado in an early kickoff, just about a noon kickoff uh, in under two weeks. So the fact that the Oregon defense was able to – get tested against a really solid quarterback. They forced three interceptions. That's huge. Brian Addison got that one at the last minute when they had to go for the end zone. So kind of more like two interceptions, but they got tested against a quality quarterback and that is really going to serve them well as they're preparing to face Shadur Sanders, who is probably much more of a dual threat quarterback than Tyler Shuck. I think he's quicker. I think he's more athletic and he has that buffs offense humming after taking home a commanding 36-14 to 14 win over Matt Rule and the uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers at home in front of a sold-out Folsom Field. So, love this comment from Brian. The Ducks definitely did get Breland. Not Breland. I'm getting sidetracked in the comments. They definitely got Texas Tech's best shot. That's a fact. Uh, all right, what else do we have here? when it comes to the defense. One of my big things, the defense came up big when it counted, whether you're looking at Jeffrey Bossa's pick six, whether you're looking at Jamal Hill or Brandon uh, you know, fumble recovery. I think that Jamal Hill forced that fumble when Texas Tech was in the red zone. So you had some dumb penalties uh, on your defense. You had Kyrie Jackson's pass interference called. No idea what he was thinking there. Uh, it, it just seemed like he was looking at the play and said, oh, I'm out of position. Let me just do something to prevent the touchdown. Um, so that could have really hurt them. That was definitely a bonehead move. Um, but you had plays, like I just said, Bossa, Hill, Dorless, Dorless's fourth down run stuff against Tyler Shuck. That was a really funky play to watch because Brandon Dorlis turned around and then he was right there on Tyler Shuck. But getting big stops when it matters the most, is not something that we saw Oregon do a whole heck of a lot last year. Um, If we're just looking at the team stats here and what the Ducks were able to do in some of those big moments, um, Texas Tech was was 8-for-13 on third down and 1-for-2 on fourth down. So not great numbers. There were definitely a lot of times in this game where Oregon should have gotten off the field and they failed to do so. You got missed tackles, miscommunication, some busts in coverage here and there, but that's something you got to clean up. But I almost think that coming up with those big stops in those huge situations almost carry more weight because that's just something that we didn't see from Oregon last year. This is, I think, the... mm, I don't want to say it was the best Oregon's defense has looked since Dan Lanning got hired. I think that might be a little bit of a stretch, but to me, it was in those good moments, it was the, the most promising. Maybe that's the right way to look at it. Maybe Oregon's defense against Texas Tech showed the most promise that we've seen since Dan Lanning was hired. When you have guys like Brandon Dorless, Jordan Burch, Taki, and Popo getting after the quarterback, Jamal Hill shining, more or less, I think, in his role as a linebacker coming down from the secondary, you have some of these true freshmen, highly touted recruits that you bring into Oregon to change your defense and to help them take that next step. I think Dan Lanning's defense looked the most promising that it has since he got hired against Texas Tech. Maybe that's a good way to put it. Let me, let me, let me know what you guys think about that one. All right, we have a comment here from Tyler Jacob. Having Justin Jacobs back for, for CU would be huge. Yeah, I definitely could not agree more on this one. I think anytime you get a guy that caliber, Justin Jacobs' caliber back is going to only improve your defense. And then luckily for Oregon, we were just talking about that non-conference scheduling, right? Trying to find that balance, getting tested, but also getting warmed up. If you're looking at Hawaii, That shouldn't be a game where you need Justin Jacobs to go in order to win. You're not sitting there saying, man, if we don't have Justin, I don't know if we can pull this one off. So obviously Oregon wants to get Justin Jacobs back as quickly as they can, but just to get some reps with him, right. And get that chemistry as a defense, but depending on what the situation is, I'm sure Dan Lanning will get asked about Justin Jacobs. He's uh, supposed to speak with the media at 645 tonight. Dan loves his late Monday night press conferences but in the case that Justin Jacobs needs a little bit more time, you don't necessarily need to rush him back because you have a relatively easy opponent this week. What should be easy and the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. And then Tyler also added, "It feels like we'd be talking about the defense very differently if it wasn't for the sixty-yard shuck run and some of the dumb PIs." Yeah, I think that I think that this was definitely <laughs> I, I saw um, I saw this stat from Tyler Shuck or just had he already had so many rushing yards by the time I got the game on and, and tuned into this game and I was thinking oh man he must have had a massive run that he sprung early on in this game so I think that Tyler Shuck is obviously a very gifted runner but I didn't expect him to have the day that he had against the Ducks I think a lot of that boils down to just busts on the Oregon defense so those are areas areas they're going to have to clean up I think also it really feels like Texas tech went for it more than just two times in that whole game, but facing a defense, an offense rather that is going to continue to test you and keep you on the field, even to fourth down. I think that that's another area where Oregon's going to benefit in this game. But yeah, some of those pass interference calls were horrible. Um, not in terms of they weren't PIs, but you know, the Kyrie Jackson one was, was tough. And there were a couple that maybe could have gone the other way. That one's tough, but Overall, I like what I saw there. Um, So, yeah, what else do I have here? Um, So, yeah, the defense came up with some really big plays when it counted, and I think that that is absolutely huge. Uh, When you're looking at third down defense, it was okay, not great. But red zone defense, I think you really like that because uh, they were able to come away with a, a turnover in the red zone, and I think that's huge. Four sacks for a loss of 42 total yards for Oregon. So they got after Tyler Shuck. I thought that was great. I already talked about some of the true freshmen that I think stood out and how great it was to see them getting some significant playing time in a game like this on the stage that they were playing this game on is huge. Bryce Betcher was an interesting performance I thought. He played a really good game as a dual sport athlete with the Ducks, also a standout baseball player. Um we also have to talk a little bit about the special teams for the ducks here in this game, because I don't think it was their best performance. I think aside from Camden Lewis, he was really the only success story that the ducks had on special teams in, in this game. I thought that the punt coverage was not great uh, by the ducks in this game. Um, Let's see punt. How many punts did the ducks have here? I'm looking at the numbers. Um, Returns Okay, so the Ducks only had one punt in this game, but it was returned for 33 yards. So if you think about those 33 yards, they only benefit the Texas Tech offense and improve their p- field position to start off that whatever drive that was. So the, the punt coverage wasn't great after the ball got away, and then the Ducks also had a punt that was partially tipped and that didn't even end up getting across midfield. So all those breaks, they really add up and I think carry even more weight. When you're talking about a game like this, when the margin is as close as it is, when the game isn't decided until the last minute of the fourth quarter, all those things, they stack up. This is why coaches say there are no little things. This is why you hear things like how you do one thing is how you do everything. You can't pay attention to detail on offense and defense and then not pay attention to it on special teams because then you're going to get yourself in hot water and you're going to be on the losing end of some of these games. I think some people have said, I think Josh Pate said, sometimes in college football, you win games that you are supposed to lose. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily the case here for, for Oregon, um, especially because of the turnovers that their defense generated. Um, but, man, it was a sloppy, sloppy game. Um, and, and that's and one of the other things that was interesting that Dan Lanning said after, his, uh, after the game during his post-game press conference, he was saying, the first thing that I'm doing on Monday is sitting these guys down and letting them know all the areas that I could have been better as a coach. So just taking accountability from Dan Lanning, I, I love to see that. I got to show you guys uh, this one other video that I thought was awesome uh, from Oregon's win on Saturday over Texas Tech. So give me just a second while I pull it up. It's going to be worth it. Just trust me. Um, where is it? Where is it? Come on! Oh, here it is. Here it is. Look at Dan Lanning here in uh, their win over Texas Tech. You just love the energy from your head coach like this. Just look at how fired up Dan is his face. That that look just that's a dog right there. That's a competitor right there. Um loved the energy from, from Dan Lanning. I think that I love where his head's at after winning this game just realizing that you can't be complacent with it. Um, There's so much work that this team still needs to do. I think that's definitely a point that I want to drive home, but man, landing is the man. And it was just fun to hear what he had to say after the game, because he's so, so tight to the vest throughout the entire week. And then he just got so analytical and seemed like he really opened up in that post game. And I've said it before, and maybe we have another glimpse at it here. Um, Maybe Lanning is just being really tight-lipped with everything because he knows he has a good team. Are there areas where Oregon has to improve? Absolutely. Is this team a finished product? Absolutely not. But this team has some dogs, and Dan Lanning's doing everything he can to figure out what that best combination is to get the Ducks where they need to be, which is, at the end of the day, back in the Pac-12 title game, And they're certainly in that conversation. I think some of the interesting storylines that we kind of now need to track coming out of this game and coming out of week two, Oregon can't get ahead of themselves. They can't be too fixated on that week four game against the Colorado Bucks because I think a lot of people, myself included, were writing off that game in week four in the preseason. A lot of people were saying, oh, Colorado in week four to open Pac-12 play at home in Odson. that's a win. I don't think that a lot of people were expecting Colorado to look as good as they did, which is obviously a testament to Deion Sanders and what he's able been able to do with the Buffs in the short amount of time that he's been there. The crazy roster churn and roster turnaround that we saw obviously is helping them, so I think that he's done a really good job. It's a good story for college football. The the Pac-12 is just firing on all cylinders right now. Washington had a big win over Tulsa. USC crushed Stanford like everyone expected. Uh, Utah took care of business and was able to beat um, Baylor. Cal lost to Auburn, narrowly lost to Auburn. So that's a an interesting one. But yeah, big day for the Ducks on the road, pulling out that thirty-eight to thirty win over Texas Tech. Um, I'm going to have, I'm trying to think of what my other episodes are going to be this week, but I'm pretty sure I'll have something recruiting focused for you guys tomorrow on Tuesday. Um, So make sure you guys stay tuned in for that one. Um, Got some news over on Ducks Digest. Oregon isn't trending, but I think they are. It looks like they are getting involved with a new five-star recruit in the 2024 recruiting class. So go ahead and check that one out. Aiden Breeland, five-star defensive lineman target for the Ducks out of Modern Day. He scheduled a visit to the Georgia Bulldogs for this weekend. So looks like the Ducks may be losing ground there uh, with the top uncommitted prospect in California. Um, It's either him or Brandon Baker, but he's a really big target for the Ducks. So not a good development that he's going to be visiting Georgia. I remember after I saw him last month, he said that there were no more visits scheduled. He looked like he was almost in decision mode, but expect the top four to come out very soon. But on the surface, with Breland going to Georgia this weekend, it looks like the Bulldogs are going to try to seal the deal there, lock him in in their 2024 class. But we'll have to see. It's not over until it's over. Brandon Baker looks like he's continuing to trend towards Texas, but he's got a big official visit to Nebraska this weekend. So that's a little tidbit on some headlines, some recruiting headlines here to open up the week on a Monday. But now we're going to start to shift gears to – Oregon's next opponent, the Hawaii rainbow warriors who are one and two and coming off of a win at home over Albany in week two, they did have a week zero game. So they've played three games while most of the country has only played two, but, uh, yeah, I think that's, that'll do it for us here on today's episode of the podcast. Do me a favor. If you're here live, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel and hit the notification bell. So you don't miss out on future uploads, future live shows because I come at you five days a week. Make sure you guys are locked in. Important to lock in with me on social media, at Sports on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I'm at OregonFootballMaxTaurus on YouTube. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, and you can read all of my written work covering the Ducks, Oregon football, Oregon recruiting, over on ducksdigest.com. And then last favor, you know the drill, share the Duck's Dish podcast with your friends, with your family, and with other Duck fans. But until next time, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the Duck's Dish podcast.